All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Porn in the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and welcome back. Today, I want to walk you through, um, we're going to walk through Psalms 88, and we're going to talk about two of the most important factors for you to be done with porn forever. Um, so I was looking at the psalm, and I was over the past two days, and so I finished it up uh, this morning, Saturday, and I was like, you know, this is this would I think is worthy of sharing because I think it's so vitally important because it's a huge problem I see in guys today when they want to be done with porn, and it's it's like they're on this. Like they're on this roller coaster, right? So you you may have experienced this or thought about this in this way. It's just like up and down, up and down, up and down. So you have great times of potential victory where you're riding high, you're in the you're on the peak, what I call the peak, and then you that roller coaster goes down to the bottom, and so you're in the pit. And if you think back to some of the things that we've been talking about in past uh, episodes and past podcasts then you uh, can remember that just the entire analogy of the circle of insanity, right? So at the very top, even though that's the status quo, you're kind of on a peak, you're feeling good. And then trigger, um, story, uh, you know, ritual, acting out, all of a sudden you get down into your pit. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what does it take, what are the two two of the most important factors for you finding freedom from pornography. And we see it here in Psalm 88, and so we're going to talk about it. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast, great. You can still do that. Also have YouTube where I'm, I've got some slides going through these passages, so it may be better um, for you if you're more of a visual person to, to take a look at it. It's completely up to you. So, here we go. Let's get right into it. So we're going to look at the first seven verses. Now, this psalm is uh, written by a man named Heman, H-E-M-A-N, and it is a, uh, I'll just, let's be real honest here. This psalm is uh, very, very, um, <laughs> just, man, it's rough. And it's rough because typically at the end of a psalm where we see David or another psalm writer talking about this this like pit of despair they're in, this trouble, um, the enemy surrounding them, they're a- around the wicked. I mean, all of these different things that we read about in psalm, typically by the end of the psalm, there's hope. But in this psalm, there is not. So it's just 13 verses long. It begins with uh, crying out to God in despair, and then it ends the same way. And so, uh, so let's look at this because because we want to. I'm telling you, this is going to point out some things that I believe you can use, you can begin to think about in your own struggle and fight against pornography. So let's look. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline my ear to your cry, for my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those who remember no more, who you remember no more. 
for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy on me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Like This is an honest crying out to God. And so if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, I've got my notes right here. So when you see me turn and look, this is what I'm doing. I'm looking here because I was journaling over the past two days just what this means. Like, God, what can you teach us out of your word? And this is what we want. So first thing that I thought about was it's easy for a man to boast. And it's easy to smile and shake hands and to pretend that everything is okay in your world. It's easy to sedate and numb pain. That is the road. That is the easy path. And what it leads to is a life of isolation and a life of deep inner despair. A life of endless circle of insanity where you pretend and you sedate and you begin to feel okay and you forget your troubles for a while and then all of a sudden before you know it you're alone you're in despair nobody knows maybe even some of you listening to this podcast right now like nobody knows the struggle you're going through with pornography the hard path the hard path is chosen it doesn't happen by circumstance. And so what I love about this is what Heman's doing here is this is a path of truthful reflection and humble confession. So he starts out, he cries out day and night before you. And I think it's very, very important who he calls God. He's the God of my salvation. So this is someone who knows God and knows God has saved him. This is the God of my salvation. I cry out to you night and day. Like my flesh, my flesh wants me to hide and protect my pain or my sin. But what I believe is that petition begins with humility and gives power over pride. Like this is. Heman saying, you know what? I don't have it all together, God. And so because I don't have it all together, I'm going to humble myself before you and I'm going to cry out to you day and night. Let my prayer come before you. And Lord, you please hear me. Incline your ear to my cry. So the object of my faith and the one I cry to is absolutely the most important. Do I do I know God to be faithful, and does he care about my trouble? Does he listen? And if I can say yes, if, I, if you and I can say yes, I know God as the God of my salvation, then he desires, based on the word of God, we know he desires for us to come to him and cry out before him. This psalm is not here by accident. It's here for instruction for you and for me. So now what? So if I know that God is the God of my salvation, then I have hope. And I'm not cut off. And it reminded me of Job. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. So I turn my attention 
from the truth of who he is and who I am in Christ to my pain and struggle. So that's what one of the things I love about this psalm is that Heman is very, very transparent and super honest with where he is. Like every single one of us on the planet will have peak to pit experiences. Like that's not in question. That's going to happen. You're going to have peaks and you're going to have pits. That's not the question. The question is how do we react in the pit? And who do we become there? Here in this psalm, I see a man who's brutally honest and transparent. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't pretend that he can handle this pit alone. He is crying out to the only one who can save him from the depths of his despair. And look what he calls himself. Verse 5, I'm among the dead. I'm like the slain who lie in the grave, like those who remember no more. They are cut off from your hand. He believes that it is God who has them has him in this pit. Like God's put him here. And it, and the only hope is that the God of his salvation has him there for a reason. I mean, look at this. He says this in verse 6. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the region dark and deep. It's God's waves that are drowning him. Like I'm just imagining a man drowning in the ocean, just the swell of these waves coming over him. He, he, he gets up enough air just like to suck air, suck a little breath, and then the, another wave crashes on top of him. And he struggles to catch his breath, and then another wave, and then another wave. He says here in verse 7, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Yet, he cries out to the only one he believes can help him. The very one who has him in this pit. Like this is incredible honesty and truth from a man who refuses to pretend that he has his life together. So when we sedate, when we pretend, when we perform, We refuse to call out to God because of our pride. We refuse his mercy, his grace. Heman cried out to God, and we're the beneficiaries of his humility. He doesn't even have a friend to comfort him. Verse (laughs) 8, you have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I'm shut in so that I cannot escape. Like he believed it's the affliction God has given him that's caused them to abandon him. Yet he makes this very, very important statement in verse 9. He says, every day I call upon you. Okay, and this is, this is point number one. So there's going to be two major points to what I'm going to share with you today. For you, brother, who are struggling with pornography, habitual pornography, number one, this is a statement of endurance. And so my statement, my, my point to you is you need endurance. Every day I call upon you, 
O Lord. He is not giving up. He's not giving up and he's not covering up his sin or his condition. He is looking up. And he's doing it every single day. This is called endurance. And so many men want to drown their struggle with pornography with more pornography. Or drown their struggle with pornography with pretending that you have your life together. With isolating, with hiding, with covering it up. He's not doing that. He's not giving up and he's not covering up. He is looking up. And in verse 10 through 12, he asks questions. This is, a, this is a beautiful thing right here. He asks questions in line with the truth of who God is. Like, he is not ignorant of God's word. Like, even in his questions to God, in verse 10 through 12, he is reframing his mind and thinking about the truth of who God is. So these are the questions. He says, do you work wonders for the dead? So in this question, he is remembering the fact that God works wonders. The next part of that, do the departed rise up to praise you? What he's saying here is, like he's saying, I'm in the pit. Can, can I, when I'm dead, praise you? And what he's doing is he's reminding himself that God is worthy of praise. Verse 11, is your steadfast love declared in the grave? He's reminding himself that God has promised his steadfast love. Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? God is faithful. Verse 12, are your wonders known in the darkness? God is a God of wonder. Or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? God is righteous. So even in those three verses right there, God works wonders. God is worthy of praise. God has steadfast love. God is faithful. God God does many and mighty wonders. And he is righteous. And so what he's doing is he's taking these questions. It's like, God, if, if you end me, then these things won't won't come for me. They won't be known from me. I can't declare your steadfast love and your faithfulness. I can't tell others of your wonders and your righteousness. I can't praise you like I desire to. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So these truths, these truths were the foundation for Heman crying out to God every day. Right? Verse 13, But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. His faith in God fueled his endurance. Fueled his endurance. So, do you have endurance, brother? Because this is part one of what you really, really need. Number one, the number one thing you need is endurance. And the Hebrew writer talks about this. 
Hebrews 10, 35, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. So he's saying, even if everybody abandons you, even if you're you feel like you're in the pit, do not throw away your confidence because there's reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, here it is right here on the screen for those of you on YouTube, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, verse 39, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We have need of endurance. Faith fuels endurance, and the result is reward. That's what he says in verse 36, so that you may receive what is promised when you have done the will of God. And doing the will of God comes through endurance. I love this quote from Thomas Watson. He says, Christians do not arrive at perseverance or endurance when they sit still and do nothing. It is not with us as with passengers in a ship who are carried to the end of their voyage while they sit still in the ship, or as it is with noblemen who have their rents brought in without their toil and labor. But we arrive at salvation in the use of means as a man comes to the end of a race by running to a victory by fighting. This is one of the things I'm beginning to love about endurance running is (laughs) that it's just that. It's like life. It takes endurance and there's highs and there's lows. There's peaks and there's pits in these long races. Now, I have not run the ultimate race, which is, I would say, probably among endurance athletes racing, it's typically the 100-mile race. I've done a 31, so that's a, what is that, a 50K? And I've done a 20, I just did a 27-mile the other, a couple weekends ago. Endurance. Endurance didn't happen. Like I remember when I first even started running was during quarantine, 2020, spring of 2020, when everything was shut down, my gym was shut down, everything was shut down. What did I do? I was like, well, I had a little bit of equipment at the house. Had a little bit of equipment. I had some, you know, had a barbell with a little bit of weights. I had a dumbbell, had a box to do box jumps. But I knew that I had shoes and I had road. I had a neighborhood I could run in. I had a track down the street. So I started running. But let me tell you, the first time I ran a mile, which I was not used to doing, was rough. Two miles, rough. I remember my son and I during quarantine, because he was home from school to doing school at home, we would work out together. And (laughs) we would do a little workout and then we'd go for a run. And I just remember those two miles being a struggle and taking forever. We were probably running 10-minute miles, right? So it took us 20 minutes to run two miles, and we were just like, yikes. But that was back in, you know, spring and summer of 2020. And then just the other day, I, well, in the fall of 21, I ran a 31-mile Spartan race and just ran a 27-mile. So that's not the that's not the point is look how far I've run. The point is it takes endurance and it starts small. I had to build up to that. 
had to build up to like I didn't have the capacity. But the beautiful thing about it is if you keep going and don't give up, you build the capacity. You can run the race. You can finish the race. So, endurance is number one. All right? But endurance is not the only thing that you and I need. There's a second thing that we must have. And we're going to look at it in this passage here. Well, that was the Thomas Watson quote. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. So Heman in Psalms 88, perseverance. He, he cried out to God every day. His prayer went to God. He didn't give up. Though he thought he was as good as dead and God had put him in the grave and God had, like his friends had deserted him and abandoned him, he continued to cry out to God every day day. That is endurance. But Peter points out something else that you and I need. Hebrews says we have need of endurance because he's going to go on later in Hebrews and say, you have to finish the race. Don't be like the Israelites who in the desert, in the wilderness of their testing, failed to finish the race and enter the promised land. You have to finish, and that takes endurance. But brother, there's something else that you need, that I need. And Peter's going to point it out here. Second Peter 1, 3 through 8. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So I want to stop right there. You have divine power. How do you have divine power? By the Holy Spirit he's put in you. And how did that come? To you through the knowledge of Christ. So when, you, when your eyes were opened to, to know Christ as your Savior, you repented and trusted in him to save you from your sins, God gave you divine power. And that divine power has given you everything you need to live a life of godliness. Knowing God gives you power to live a life of godliness. So we keep going. Verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. <laughs> There's so many promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So you are not of the flesh anymore. You are of the spirit. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this reason, so brother, because you are not a child of wrath and a child of the earth, you are a child of God. You are adopted into his family. You are a chosen, like a royal priesthood, a chosen people. You have been given divine power to live a life of godliness as you grow in your knowledge of knowing God and Christ more intimately, more intimately, more intimately. God, he's going to give you power. He's going to give you new desires. He's going to free you from the grip of pornography. So verse 5, he says, for this very reason that you are not, you are not your old self and that you have divine power. For this very reason, make 
every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with what? With steadfastness or endurance? And steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean? Look at this, verse 8. If these qualities are yours and are increasing. So what is the second thing you need? You need endurance, number one. Number two, you need expansion. It is not just enough for you to endure and be the person who you are right now. That is not the point. The point is your expansion. The point is your sanctification. The point is your growth in Christ. The point is your growing in holiness. Your point, your, the point is that you leave your old life behind, completely behind. If you don't, what is that saying about your salvation? If these qualities are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. So God's purpose is that you bear fruit. You bear fruit. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So how do we expand? How do we grow? Right? We don't just need endurance. We need growth and expansion. How does this happen? It happens through growing in our knowledge of God. So Paul points this out in 1 Thessalonians when he's talking about those who are not of this of of the children of God. He says, "For this is the will of God. This is for you, brother. Your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor." So this is for you, brother, listening to this podcast or watching this YouTube. God's will for your life is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that you learn how to control your own body, not in the passion, verse 5, of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. How did you receive divine power that's pointed out here in 2 Peter? Through knowing God. God's desire for you is expansion, endurance and expansion, which is going to equal your sanctification, which is going to equal growing in a life of fruitfulness, going back to 2 Peter for this very reason, make every effort to expand. Faith must grow virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and love. Only then will we bear fruit. Endurance and expansion peak to pit over your entire life. You will always have pits, brothers. You will always have pits, and you're always going to have peaks as well. What's required is endurance. 
peak to pit. So you can't camp out and celebrate on the peaks and you can't get so despondent in the pits. So I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through a visual of this, um, on the, on YouTube and, and I'll talk to you also about it here on the podcast, but getting back to the psalmist here, getting back to the psalmist, he ended this Psalm. It's, it's 18 verses. Psalm 88, 88, 18 says this, and this is from the, um, Christian standard Bible, CSB, I believe you have distanced loved ones and neighbors from me. Darkness is my only friend. The ESV says my companions have become darkness. This is what the pit feels like. And he's honest. Heman's honest enough to admit that. Like it feels like I'm lost. It feels like I'm, it's hopeless. It feels like nobody cares about me and you may be there like you 100% may be there and just and it really maybe even depends on the severity of your sexual sin that you're struggling with the level of like what that looks like if it's porn and masturbation could be adultery could be voyeurism I mean there's different levels all the same sin but brother, you have need of endurance and you have need of expansion. So what's beautiful about this psalm is that we have an idea of who Heman was. <laughs> Even though he wrote this psalm and it doesn't tell us a whole bunch about him, I was looking and doing a little bit of research and there's mentions of him in the days of David and Solomon. Assuming that this is the same person, like is this person's name Heman uh, from the sons of Korah, which is how the psalm introduces him. So I'm imagining it's the same person, but what we know from him is that he had incredible wisdom, 1 Kings 4.31. He had musical ability and he served, 1 Chronicles 6.33. 15, 17 through 19, chapter 16, 41 and 42, 2 Chronicles 5, 12, 2 Chronicles 35, 15. He had a lot of sons and he was in the service to the king, 1 Chronicles 25, 6. So this wasn't the end of Heman's life. The pit was not the end. This pit is here, this pit is here for, for you and I to learn from. It was him saying, how do we respond when we feel like nobody cares and nobody understands us? Uh, We're going to have to endure, and we respond by crying out to God every day. So visually, what does this look like? For those of you on the podcast, I'll do my best to explain this. How do we... How do we endure and expand? Number one is this just daily war. That's it. You are the hardest person to lead. You're the hardest person to lead. You you know this. What we like to do is look at everybody else's life and, and compare ourselves to them. But that's just not, <laughs> it's not going to hold up. <laughs> it's not going to hold up. So it's daily war. I am the hardest person to lead. 
I don't care how long I haven't struggled with pornography and masturbation and how long you have. I am, for me, the hardest person to lead. And guess what? You're the hardest person to lead. And so what it takes is, what does endurance look like? Endurance looks like daily war. It looks like daily war. It looks like getting up every single day. Just like Heman said, I cry out to you every day. So daily war. So what does my daily war look like? My daily war looks like the first thing I have to do after I make coffee and let the dogs out to use the bathroom, I have to sit down and go to war with my own stories of who I am and who God is. And I do that by opening the word and prayerfully approaching the word of God. I may not be in the pit. I may be on the peak. That's when I really have to realize that daily war is required of me because I know how easily I drift. Like Drifting is natural. Go look at Hebrews 2, I think it's 2, 1, 2, 1. He talks about drifting. Guys, we don't naturally go towards God. We naturally drift away from God. And so therefore, whether I'm in the, on the peak or in the pit, I have to go before God and confess my sin and confess my inability to do this life alone. And I have to cry out to him. I'm either, I either have a spirit of thankfulness and gratefulness and, you know, or maybe I'm just crying out to him because I've got a lot of problems. And I do. Like, there's not one of us who's listening to this podcast or talking on this podcast who isn't screwed up. We're all screwed up. We all have problems. So in the morning when I go running, this is a perfect time for me just to, A lot of times I do it without any headphones on and I will just spend time talking to God. God, you know my problems. You know my struggles. You know my sin. You know the temptations that I'm facing right now. Lord, be my hope. Be my shield. God, you're worthy of praise. You you are steadfast love. You are faithfulness. Whether I'm on the peak or in the pit, these are the things that I need to be doing. So daily war. And so what happens is if we are enduring through daily war, then the peaks will not derail us and the pits will not derail us. It will just be a constant, steady endurance and expansion. Endurance and bearing fruit for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter your job, your vocation, what you do. Like We all have work to do. We all have families. We all need to take care of our bodies. We all need to take care of things at work. But you, like, you must make every effort, every single effort. And so my question is, where are you today? Are you on the peak or are you in the pit And what does your current effort reveal about your commitment? What does it reveal about your commitment? And the reason I ask this question, (laughs) 
<laughs> I was couple of things. So I was talking with somebody at work the other day and they were talking about, you know, I'm, I'm committed to running and getting in shape because I'm going on this big trip with all my friends and da, 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 da. But I didn't do it today. I didn't work out today. And so I asked them, I was like, well, is that being committed or is that just really being interested in something? And I was really just kind of kidding around, but it does reveal a very, very important difference. And I've said it before here, commitment uses language like, I must do this at all costs. Being interested in something is saying, I should do this. So don't ever confuse interest with commitment. Two totally different things. So what is your current effort? Because Peter says, make every effort. So when you look at your life, can you say, I'm making every effort? And if you can't, then there's an opportunity to confess it and start writing down, Lord, how can I make every effort? Like, what are the things you're calling me to do? And the last thing I would say is your commitment is proven by your willingness to endure pain and engage in expansion. Guys, when we are on the peak, it is so easy for us to take our foot off the gas and think that we've arrived and think that we've accomplished something. And what happens is we drift. I think peaks and pits are equally dangerous for us. Pits can throw us into despair, thinking nobody's there, nobody cares. Peaks can make us feel good about our life and, hey, we've got it all together. I mean, isn't isn't endurance required for all of life and isn't expansion required for all of life? I was just talking to some people I lead at work the other day and was telling them, I was like, you know, in your work life, you have need of endurance and expansion. I, I remember being a salesman, a new salesman. I was in my early 20s, my first job, and I was like working, selling office equipment. I just remember the highs and the lows. And I was constantly, when I was in the pit, I was like, oh, this job is horrible. Like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. don't want to do this. I'm not making a lot of money, not making any money. I'm having to go out and cold call. I was doing all, oh, this is horrible. And then boom, big sale. I'm on the peak. Big sale, big commission, feeling good. So what did I do? Mm, I would take the rest of the month off. This is me in my early 20s. <laughs> The peaks are dangerous because when I took when I took the rest of the month off, guess what I did? I took my foot off the gas. I coasted and I drifted. I wasn't making every effort in my work. And then I'd find myself in the pit. And I see this today with young people. I see this today right now. If you're in your 20s and you're listening to this, and I mean, this is just a little bit of career advice. I know this is not on topic or a subject with this podcast, but you need to endure and expand. When I look at somebody's resume, I hire a lot of people. And when I look at somebody's resume and they've worked at some place for eight months, nine months, and it's, it's repeated 
12 months, 12 months, 12 months. They quit, they quit, they quit, they quit. They don't know how to endure. They got zero endurance. Their life is ruled by peaks and pits. Spiritually speaking, we can't do this either. We can't quit. If you quit and you don't endure, it's probably proof that you were never truly his. Now, if you're drifting, brother, I want to encourage you. Like, be like Heman. Get on your knees. Be honest and truthful with like where you are. Call out to him. But I'm going to encourage you. Reach out to a brother. Reach out to a friend. Hiding and isolating is the biggest deception that that shame does to us, that sin does to us. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. So, brother, endurance and expansion, man, I pray that the Lord would wake you up. He would fill you with a spirit like you would have a spirit and you would have power over sin as you humble yourself and call out to him day and night that you would not give up all right brother i like if you need help want help whatever i can do reach out to me i'm happy to help if i can And if you haven't left, if you find this podcast at all encouraging, would you leave me a review? I I really appreciate it. I don't have a lot of them on there. (laughs) And I know people like, well, if I leave a review, they'll see my username. What if somebody figures out who I am? Okay, well, that's what you're worried about. Then don't leave a review, but I I would appreciate it. Be helpful to other brothers looking for help. All right, guys, I will catch you on the next episode of Porn of the Gospel and talk to you soon.